had no idea what I was doing. So I had no background in publishing, no background editorial, no background in design. It took about eight, nine months to just get the first edition out. It was super embarrassing. Didn't even have a successful person on the front cover. It was a stock image. And on the first day, we made $5.50 and we had two subscribers. It was just so exhilarating. And now I've got these two subscribers to the magazine. Well, now I've got to fulfill the second edition because it's a monthly subscription. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Hey, listeners of Superhumans at Work, this is Jason Campbell, and I just want to take a moment to say a big thank you to all the listeners. We're releasing right now episode number 50. That's right, we've already had 50 episodes be released with amazing people sharing great insights with all of you. And so this is a moment I wanna take to just express my gratitude and my appreciation to each and every one of you who listen, come in, and most of all, apply these insights that we get to teach to you. This is my ultimate joy is knowing that whatever it is that we are creating, you get to transform from it. And so please, do subscribe to this podcast. If you're listening on Apple, definitely send us a review so we can make this podcast available to as many people as possible. We're going to continue recording amazing content for you. We have so many more episodes coming up with amazing experts, and I'm super excited to have you as fans listening every single time. So definitely hit the subscribe button, share with the people you know can appreciate and learn from these podcasts. And if you can leave us a review, maybe even share with us one of your favorite episodes I would highly appreciate that as we continue to support this and more insights will come along the way. This is Jason once again. Thanks for listening and let's get started with this next episode, our 50th one. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. This is Jason Campbell, and I'm super excited to bring this special, quite unique episode because every time we've brought in guests, we've really looked at those who are speaking specifically to those in the workplace. We've really tried to find the skills, the leadership qualities, or the communication tools that we're speaking to people within the company. And there's a lot of podcasts that exist out there, a lot of information that speaks specifically to entrepreneurs. And what I wanted to do is bring a man that has interviewed the best and the biggest when it comes to teaching insights and offering mentorship when it comes to entrepreneurship. And here's something that exists in the field. There's so many people giving out advice that may not always be applicable to you. And what we're going to do today is speak with the CEO and founder of Founder Magazine, who actually gets a chance to distill what is real, what is not, has his own amazing journey on how he grew his enterprise. And what you'll notice is there's particular skills and characteristics from entrepreneurs that you'll be able to be inspired in the workplace to see what qualities you can use to actually up-level your own skills and see if entrepreneurship is right for you, or maybe you can drive those kinds of innovative ideas within the company. It is with my great pleasure that I bring Nathan Chan to the show. Nathan, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Jason. It's an absolute pleasure, my man. Now, I have to say, I look up to you. You've been running an amazing podcast. I think the ratings on it are through the roof. You interview the top entrepreneurs around the world. And I'd love for you to tell us the story here. You you started Founder Magazine. 
it seems like you were able to get the biggest stars to come on your magazine, to come on your podcast, to come on your blog, and it grew so fast. And I'd love for you to tell us a bit about the things that you've done to bring it to where it is now, which is, I believe, the biggest entrepreneurial channel in the world, is it not? Yeah, I don't know about the biggest entrepreneurial channel, <laughs> but yeah, look, we would be like a, a reasonable size online entrepreneurial brand. Definitely not as big as like a Forbes fast company entrepreneur. I would say we're probably under that. Yeah, what we're trying to do with the brand is create a platform where we can help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, whether it's audio, whether it's written, whether it's video. Right now, millions of people consume our content every single month. So yeah, that's kind of where we're at with the Jason. So we're not there yet. And I think we're only scratching the surface, but it's been an incredible journey thus far. But the thing is, is you started like, I believe it was in 2013. Like it's not been that long if you've been at it. So tell us about that journey. How did you become one of the biggest ones in such a short amount of time? It feels like a long time. I know you say it was fast. It's been a journey, man. Like, so Taking things back to 2013, I was working in my day job doing IT support and I was extremely unfulfilled with the work that I was doing in IT support. I used to fix people's computers. People would call me up and say, hey, Nathan, my password doesn't work. Can you change it for me? Or, hey, Nathan, my mouse doesn't work. And so I'd go down and have to like basically crawl under someone's desk and pull out the USB cable and put it back in and the mouse would work. And yeah, look... I felt that I could maybe achieve more that I was aspiring to for whatever reason for me that work didn't fulfill me. Like I was passionate around technology, but you know, I didn't wake up out of bed and be like, I'm so excited to go to work today like I am now. And so what happened was it just got to a point where I was just super frustrated and I, I couldn't do it anymore, man. So a couple of years before that, I tried a career change where I went and studied marketing by 2013, I had a, a marketing degree, but I still couldn't get a job. So no one would hire me in marketing. I was really interested in marketing. And I loved the company that I was at. The company I was at had an incredible company culture, which I'm sure you can resonate with coming from Mind Valley, right? Like incredible company culture. So I loved the company, but the work wasn't fulfilling. And I couldn't transfer over like into a marketing role. I went for three internal jobs, didn't get one of them. So what happened was I started playing around with the idea of launching a digital magazine. I thought it was an incredible opportunity because print, you know, seven years ago, a lot of people were talking about, you know, print's a dying trade and all these other things. And it's still, it hasn't demised probably what was, I guess, talked about, but it's still like a bit of a dying art form, right? like getting something in the mail, printed magazines, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought that was a really big opportunity to capitalize on. And I was really interested in entrepreneurship. I read a couple of books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad or The 4-Hour Workweek. So I thought like what better way to just try and get my hands dirty and market something, flex some skills or lack of, and use that as a tool to just kind of see if I could get a job after or actually have something to show for it. So I started the magazine out of like just pure passion, just, just for the craft. And yeah, I had no idea what I was doing. So I had no background in publishing, no background editorial, no background in design. Yeah, I launched in March 2013. I started working on it in 2012 
And then, yeah, it took about eight, nine months to just get the first edition out. It was super embarrassing. Like the first edition didn't even have a successful person on the front cover. It was a stock image. And I had no idea what I was doing. Like it is just an absolute joke that I was like, I had no idea, man. Like I just put it out there. And on the first day, we made $5.50 and we had two subscribers. And that day, it was just so exhilarating, so fun. And now I've got these two subscribers to the magazine. Well, now I've got to fulfill the second edition because it's, it's a monthly subscription. So pretty much, man. Yeah, that was kind of how it all started. Yeah, I can tell you more about like how we got an interview with Richard Branson like four months later. But yeah, that's how it all started, man. I, my God, that's such a beautiful story. And there's a couple of things I've picked up from it. For one, it was just a passion play here. Like you just started doing it because it was a lot of fun. And it seems like it carried you through the learnings that needed to happen to get it to where it was. One question I would have about that story, though, is how did you, I don't know if it was intuitively, I don't know if you looked at data, but how did you notice a trend about going into the digital magazine as the opportunity that you did want to put your efforts into? One thing that I was doing before I started the digital magazine was I've always been really passionate about technology and good with computers. And I had that interest in marketing. So I thought, why don't I mesh both of those passions and you know skills or lack thereof to online marketing or digital marketing? So I found this guy online, you know, there's a lot of guys online that teach stuff. And this person taught this thing called the 30 day challenge that taught you, his name was Ed Dale. His name's Ed Dale. He's actually in Melbourne, funnily enough. And he teaches you how to make your first dollar online. And I went through that and embarrassingly, I launched this website. So this is probably like six months before I started the magazine. Yeah, like in 2012, like so early 2012, I tried to create this website called bestsmellingcologne.net because I did some Google Google searching and saw that there was a key term, bestsmellingcologne, and I thought I could, you know, get some traffic and then get affiliate dollars and just, just have some fun and play around. And it was just absolutely ridiculous because the only way you can review like colognes is through smell. So it was just ridiculous. But that had its place because what happened was this guy, he created this off-the-shelf publishing software that allowed you to publish your own magazine on the App Store and the Google Play Store. So it was more of like not me researching the opportunity, but more the fact that this software looked amazing. I think this is a really cool opportunity. I'm just going to go for it. So the software cost $2,000, $2,000. And at the time I was making like 50,000, 60,000 a year. So that was a lot of money to me, like 50, $60,000 Australian. And I just put that money on my credit card, 2000 US dollars. And then the rest is kind of history. And then you yeah, haven't really looked back since. And and what started as a passion project soon became this, you know, grandiose vision of what founder can really become. That's amazing. And I love how you've celebrated the two subscribers at the beginning, which was kind of an exhilarating moment. And it sounds like the way you've painted the journey, you were like having so much fun throughout. Yet at the same time, I think this might be a misconception in entrepreneurship is that does fun equal no painful moments, no times that you're feeling down? So maybe talk more about that and what does the reality look like and where does staying positive and having fun play into the whole scheme? 
I definitely, yeah, I definitely would be lying if I said it was just all fun. Just, you know, living the dream in Bali like you are, man. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately uh, yeah, it's, it's not like that. So I'll share with you some really hard times that I went through in the early days. When I started designing the magazine, I went through two different designers before I found out our third one. It was extremely frustrating. I almost gave up. So I think it's one of those things where like the journey is the reward, where if you look back on it, it's like it's awesome thinking about those times, but there was definitely some really difficult times. In the first four months after I launched the magazine, we were sued by one of the biggest business magazines in the States. And the magazine wasn't called Founder at the time. It was called something else. We were sued for trademark infringement. So that was extremely stressful, extremely traumatizing. I wouldn't have wished that upon anybody receiving a FedEx package in the mail and yeah, being sued by a big company out of, you know, US and you're to appear in court on a certain date. Very, very scary and very, very stressful. So definitely not all fun, but I think what's so important is you have to find work that you're passionate about. You have to find work that lights you up. You have to find work that is fun that you do for free. But the icky guy, have you seen that diagram where mm-hmm. if you're good at it, it provides value and, and you know, serves people and helps people and, you know, you've got skills and then, you know, you're really passionate about it and you can get, you know, remunerated for it, then that's the zone that you want to look for. And I luckily have fell into that zone. I feel very humble and grateful. I love the fact that you say you luckily fell into it with, at the same time, you took some significant steps to kind of go towards that direction, even to the point of investing the $2,000, which at the time was a big amount. And I think back in the times that I've had major breakthroughs has always been as a consequence of doing a large investment into something that I wasn't totally sure of what the outcome was. If I go back, I know once I bought a kind of real estate investment coaching program that was like 20,000 and I won't go deep into the story about how it ended up being a scam. But the fact that I went through it made me go through the fastest growth I've ever had. And if I look more recently, I invested like a bunch of money to learn how to write a book. And it wasn't until I put that kind of money and energy into something I wanted to do that I actually started having a lot of momentum and continuing down that journey. And I was going to ask you, like, how much does investing financially into a direction you want to go that seems uncomfortable play a part in your perseverance through the process? There's no doubt about it that you value what you pay for. And I think one thing that I did is I held myself financially accountable. So I obviously wanted to make a change in my life. And so I spent that money and it was a lot of money to me at the time and I put on my credit card and I didn't want to waste that money. So I really kind of threw my hat over the fence. There's that concept of throwing your hat before you jump the fence, you throw your hat over and then you've got to climb the fence because you want to get your hat. You're not going to leave your hat there, right? So it kind of allowed me to push myself and not waste that money. So that's what really helped me step outside my comfort zone And I think it's really, really important that if you want to make a change, sometimes making yourself financially accountable to that change really can get you past those hard times, the stumbling blocks. Like I said, I almost gave up doing the magazine. I almost gave up. 
and then I almost gave up as well when we were sued. I was just like, this is like insane. Your first four months of business, who would think that you'd be sued by one of the biggest business magazines in the States? You only had a handful of subscribers making a couple hundred dollars a month. Why me? Why would they do that? Like I, I've got nothing. Like how am I even a threat? It's tough, man. It's definitely not easy. But I think what keeps you going is the joy. What keeps you going is just the love of the craft, you know? I really want to spend some time on that story because I think there's so much richness through it. And for everybody listening, whether you are an aspiring entrepreneur or you're within the workplace, a lot of key nuggets here around the passion, the joy about what you do, finding that alignment. And unfortunately, in your case, Nathan, you couldn't find an internal transfer that could match the skills that you had and the impact you wanted to make. But for people, instead of just jumping ship, maybe there's ARP opportunities for you to look internally for ways to develop those skills if this is what you're looking to do. But at the same time, there's a lot of fun that can be had in entrepreneurship and a lot of learnings and growth, which kind of wanted to bring into the kind of the fact that you've actually interviewed some of the biggest entrepreneurs in the world. I mean, Richard Branson being one of them. Everybody seems to be giving a ton of entrepreneurial advice. And it seems like a lot of people are giving contrarian entrepreneurial advice. And I wanted to hear from you, from all the people you've interviewed, what are some of the things that you think are being said in entrepreneurship that might not be necessarily true or that people should really be more cautious about taking that kind of advice? Look, to be honest, Jason, it's a really tricky question for a couple of reasons. I'm just going to be open and honest and transparent with you. One, I do so many interviews, man. It is just a huge blur. <laughs> like I wish sometimes people ask me like, you know, you've interviewed all these crazy people like billionaires, multi-billionaires, you name it. Like, What's the wisdom that's distilled in you? Like, give it all to me. Like, it's just a huge blur because I got, I got to like run this company as well and all these other things. And it's just like this huge blur. And, and in the future, I, we're going to replace me and we're going to have a show host for founder podcast and we'll create a network of podcasts and do all other things. Cause that's the last thing that I do when I'm on the tools. But that's besides the point, I guess it's just really tough to remember it all or, or just take it all in like that. So Usually it just comes to me when I might be in like a certain circumstance or situation and be like, oh yeah, I remember X, Y, Z told me that, or I remember that was really, really valuable. But one thing I can tell you is there's always going to be contrarian advice because everyone has their own experience to share. As an example, as an example, and I'm not bashing or, you know, calling out anyone or talking down about anybody like some people might say that Gary Vee's approach to success or building a successful business is not the way to do it, right? But that's how he's done it. And that's all he's doing is sharing his truth, right? And then there's other people that might say, like maybe Ariana Huffington, who wrote a book about this and created a whole company around that, that you don't have to kill yourself, you know, to be successful at work or, or, or within business. And it took her to the point of exhaustion to discover that. So I think it's less about the contrarian advice and it's more trying to take others' experiences for their experiences. One of my mentors once told me something that I thought was quite fascinating and might be valuable to people is you see kind of, you know, the Gary V's or these crazy, incredibly successful entrepreneurs or, or quote unquote perceived successful entrepreneurs and they give advice, right? And, you know, I remember I said to one of my mentors, Mitch, I'm going to write back to every single Instagram comment on the founder Instagram account. And we've got like, you know, now I've got 2 million followers, but at the time maybe it was like half a million followers, right? 
So we get thousands of comments every day, right? And I said, I'm going to do that because that's what Gary says to do, right? Gary says you should you run right back to your audience, right? But he said, yeah, but here's the thing, Nathan, there's something called situational stage advice. And that's actually not relevant to you because Gary has like a thousand people that, you know, are part of his company. So he has time to do stuff like that. But for you, you've only got like 20 people. You need to actually grow your company and focus on more high leveraged activities. So I guess what you can take from that story is there's a lot of advice being thrown around and it's great people are sharing their experiences, but those are their experiences. And often more than not, you have to make sure how does that match up to where you are in your journey, right? And I think that's really, really important when you listen to the founder podcast or you or you listen to this podcast, right? And it's like, there might be things that I'm saying that I'm trying to kind of relate to whatever stage you're at. But at the same time, there might be things that I'm saying that do not resonate with you. And that experience that I'm sharing that is my truth might not resonate. And that's okay. So you kind of like, you know, Bruce Lee, take what's relevant and discard the rest. That's kind of my take on it, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm probably not giving you the answer you're looking for, but I just have to be honest, you know? I highly appreciate the honesty. And the way I've taken this is really about the fact that there's already a Gary V. He's Gary V. is not you. And I think if we're just trying to latch to trying to follow the exact footsteps of another person, thinking that's the blueprint to success, I'd say it's slightly delusional in the sense that you need to follow your own journey and the way that you want to do it. And of course, there's inspirations you can get from everybody as long as you don't feel that you need to duplicate and take everything for face value to be the exact and only way that you can find the success you want. hundred percent. Now, in that case, I want to focus more about some of the crazy things that you've done within your company. And I say crazy because I find them innovative. I find them interesting. And I think could actually inspire a lot of other people as one way that they could look at possibly growing a company or maybe even growing their department or being more effective at what they need to do based on their job scope. And I wanted to talk about the decision for Founder Magazines to actually have a global remote team. This is very new. It seems very modern. And I want you to maybe share what motivated you to have a decision where your team is more remote than in office and what are some of the advantages you've seen or challenges you've had. Yeah, that's a great question. So we're interesting like that. Like we're a hybrid. We have a Melbourne office and we're actually just building another one right now as we speak, which will house at least 60, 70 people. But then we have a New York office, which we've got a few people there, which we just started not so long ago. And then there's only a couple of people there. And then the rest of our team is remote. We actually have more remote team members than people in offices. Now, was this by choice? Yes. And the reason that is, is because I believe, you know, founder wouldn't be where it is today if it wasn't for the exceptional team that we have that is creating the content and, you know, just creating these exceptional products, magazines, whatever, books, you name it. And, you know, I've got it to a point and you can take a company to a point by yourself, but eventually you're going to need help. And, I believe one of the fastest ways you can grow a company is just with incredible people. It's one of the biggest growth hacks out there and people don't really talk about that. So if we know that it's in your best interest to get the best possible people you can find, 
that match your values, that match your culture, that have ideally done what you you know need them to do before, because that's how you're going to find you know somebody that's going to excel or have a higher chance of success in that role. If you're looking for what we call A players, you, you cannot be limited by the border that you're in, right? You have to be prepared to go cross border. And from my experience, you know, Australia has great talent, don't get me wrong, but we just want to find the best. And, you know, as being an online company, people can work online. It doesn't have to be like in the office, right? Now, we are being strategic there, though. There are certain roles that we want to hire in a certain location, like, for example, in New York, that's like a satellite office where we're doing a lot of production and all that side of things. So like, as an example, I said, I'm going to replace myself. We will hire a show host over there to replace me and, you know, do the founder podcast, regular interview series. And then we'll start a few other kind of podcasts, like maybe an e-commerce podcast or a female founders podcast and start to build up, you know, different shows and stuff like that. And we'll do it all out of New York, right? Or maybe we'll do a couple in Melbourne as well. But I guess my point is to answer your question, it's all about talent and if you want to find exceptional people, you have to be prepared to not just look in your hometown. And I think also technology has made it so much more accessible to be able to reach a global pool of talent. I look at Mindvalley and like we source internationally and we bring to Malaysia. And I guess for us, it's very strategic because we want that proximity, that culture, the rapid pace. And we do have some members that get to work remotely, myself being included. And so when I look at the way that you're doing it as well, allowing people to actually stay within their country that they're at working remotely actually reduces a lot of barriers that some great talent might not be ready to go to Australia, just like we probably miss out on some amazing talent that aren't ready to come to Kuala Lumpur. And so when you open up the floodgates and give so much flexibility, you attract the A players. And then once you have those people, do you find that you need to still do a lot of performance tracking or, or do you have things that you can do to actually make sure that no abuse gets taken? Yeah. So... Within the founder culture, you know, we're pretty trusting. I don't like micromanaging, and so we don't micromanage. One thing that I'm really passionate about at Founder is, like, if you stay with us long enough, you do the best work you've done of your career. That's something that I can confidently guarantee. So if we want people to do their best work, we need to be able to trust them. We need to be able to make allow them to make decisions we have things in place that it would be very, very obvious if you were abusing that. And we have so many things going on, Jason. And, you know, like we've just started using Asana. It's going to be very, very obvious because everyone in the team like works pretty hard. Like we, we can move really fast. We've got a very, very strong team. I'm so proud of our team. It just doesn't happen that way. Just because one, I try and find really good people, people that, you know, I'd want to hang out with and they're just really good, kind-hearted people. And then the second thing is, yeah, we want to empower people to do their best work. And I think we, we've got a culture of just trust. And then the third thing is we use a traffic light system. So what that is, is like it's a green if we're on track, orange if we're in the middle, and red if we're off track around key goals, key functions, key departments in the business, and all key leaders in the team catch up every single week. So not everyone goes to that, but we can very, very quickly see if somebody is not performing or, or what's going on. But yeah, I've been pretty lucky so far. Well, there's one more thing I wanted to make sure we cover here, Nathan, which is the fact that 
you know, you encourage entrepreneurship. You have millions of listeners and watchers that are all seeing the interviews, seeing the magazine, and they're being inspired to become entrepreneurs. And yet you're building a team of employees. And so do you seek to hire people that have entrepreneurial qualities? And are there risks of them leaving? And is that a good, bad thing? Or is it anything? Yeah. So look, we definitely want to hire people with entrepreneurial qualities, no doubt about it. And we actually attract a lot of people with entrepreneurial qualities. So to be honest, most people that work at Founder have either like started or run their own business before, which is really cool because these people are really, really smart. Now, one thing that I'm really, really passionate about is if you work at Founder, not only will you do the best work of your career, but you'll get the best education in running an online business, like all this kind of stuff. So because of that, we just ask like, you know, kindly, we need you to focus on Founder. But if at any point in time you want to leave, you want to go off and go do your own thing, that's totally fine. And you know what? That's what I say to people. Treat this like an apprenticeship. And I work so hard. Everyone at the company works so hard. We've got such an incredible team. You know what? There have been people that have gone on and gone done their own thing. And that's awesome because we've been able to give them that training. They've been able to learn. And that's fine. Like, you know, that's part of like, you know, the experience. And that's what I can promise. You'll do the best work of your career. You're just going to get so much learnings. It's going to be like the best place I hope that you've ever worked at. And when you're ready, you can go off and start your own business. And that's totally fine. Like, I think that's when my job is done, right? It's not a bad thing. It's something that you, you know, you have to be mindful of when you run a company like Founder, right? To be honest, like it's going to happen, right? People are going to leave, but that's natural at any company. And yeah, my job is just like kind of to help people and make sure that they're fulfilled enough that hopefully they don't want to leave, but like, It's a tricky one, man, because we do definitely attract a lot of, you know, incredibly talented people and people that think quite entrepreneurially. And I have to kind of gauge that as well. I would say I notice in you this extreme optimism. I've heard you mention so many times already about attribution to luck, but it seems like the way that you trust and this way that you accept the reality, you get to attract such A players and you give them all that trust, they deliver amazing work that even if you do have a bit of attrition, maybe you have one person that has taken maybe a bit of abuse on the remote work policies, it completely is outweighed by the increase of productivity and quality of talent that you've attracted, that it's allowed founder to continue to grow and to have these amazing people and to continue the journey that you're on, which is amazing. Like you're growing so fast. I think you mentioned 2 million followers now and you're opening a new office. And so I really love this idea around optimism that you have. I think it's really inspiring to see. And I think founders still on a track to be doing amazing things. And I'm so glad that we got to have this conversation with you on the podcast to share some of these insights. And so for everybody listening, we really went through Nathan's journey here. And if you've paid close attention, he went in not necessarily knowing all of the data that needed to be in place for him to create this magazine. It started with a passion and then with an investment, and then some perseverance, but a lot of fun throughout the journey. It almost reminds me a bit, if any of you have read the book Shoe Dog with Phil Knight about how Nike started 
did start with a passion. The path was not written, but yet going on that journey unveils the next thing. And then before you know it, you've grown it into something amazing. And now as Nathan Yuzi's knowledge around marketing has grown it, attracted the best people, has been building a team, continue to learn in the process. And I'm really picking up on this positivity and this trust when you hire, bring remote, you can have access to global talent. And when you're listening to advice from entrepreneurs out there, especially if you're going in and I highly encourage you all to subscribe to the founder magazine look at the founder podcast follow them on instagram they have amazing insights that inspire me as well and so you go there and you pick what works for you don't necessarily need to follow the exact footsteps of any other entrepreneur there you take what works for you you leave the rest and nathan has come here to share us a beautiful journey of his own which i feel is just the beginning keep an eye on him keep an eye on founder it's doing amazing things and nathan thank you so much once again for coming here and sharing these amazing insights it was extremely valuable for people regardless of what they're doing in the workplace to be inspired to have that trust to have that joy and follow their passions thank you so much Thanks so much, Jason. It was such a pleasure. I really, really appreciate it. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast.